Thank you for joining us today on our online campus here at Evangel Temple. We are so excited to have you be a part of this ministry. and We hope this message today is a blessing to your life. I'm excited about the Word of God that's going to be preached. We start a series about I Love My Church. Jesus came to establish the church. He didn't just build a lot of other organizations. He invested in the church, established the church. And friends, we believe in what the church is accomplishing today and in our world. And so I trust this series will be a blessing in your life. I also want to encourage you to support uh, by your giving and by your prayers what God is doing. You're a part of our online campus, and we do not take that for granted. And I want to encourage you to support and, and just join with us as we believe for great things. God's called us to reach the lost. That's the mission of the church. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we're very intentional about reaching people for Christ. Let this sermon series be a blessing to you.
pass away. Sing that part again. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. Amen. Amen. From Matthew chapter 16, everyone standing for the reading of the scriptures. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into God's presence. Matthew 16, beginning to read with verse 17. Actually, we'll back up one verse to verse 16. Matthew 16, 16. Today we're concluding the series, I Love My Church. This is part four, Sunday after Reinhardt Bonnke. Ministers, uh, two weeks from today, we'll start a series on the miracles and supernatural of our God. He is a supernatural God, still doing miracles today. Amen. I believe in the miracles of Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. But my Father revealed this to you who is in heaven. There are some things you will never understand and catch just in the natural realm. There are some things that will only ever be revealed by the Spirit of God. Because they're spiritually discerned, spiritual things. And that's exactly what he's telling Peter. And, and verse 18, and he says, one of the revelations is here about the church. I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock... I will build my church. There's a revelation that Jesus is declaring here that he's going to build his church. I will build my church and hell will never prevail against it. There is a spiritual revelation and a mystery that is in the word of God that with the grace and help of the Holy Ghost we want to unfold today. And Jesus says I'm going to build my church and hell will never subdue it or overcome it. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, that you can use those keys to advance my church. You may be seated. Jesus lived, walked, breathed in this life with purpose. As he came to earth, he was on mission, on task. And this is very important to understand. He did not just while away approximately 33 years. He was a savior with a mission. And Passover reminds us of that mission. That Passover is about Jesus being the fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover. You remember the Old Testament uh, that Israel came out of Egypt. Listen to me closely. They came out of Egypt, but they had to slay a lamb, and they had to put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, and it was that covering. And just before midnight, the death angel went through the land. It's interesting to note how many times that is identified when that death angel went before. I believe God's saying something that you have to have spiritual ears to pick up. But just before midnight, the death angel went through the land. And Jesus became the Passover. He became the blood spilt. But Passover was also, it was about the lamb uh, and the covering of the blood, but it was also about the exodus. Uh, that the people were about to come out of Egypt and head to the promised land. Let me remind us, friends, uh, there's going to be a great exodus one day. Amen. And, and we're out of here. We're headed to heaven. Amen. And, and so Passover is just one more reminder this weekend that we believe in the covering, the blood of Jesus, but I also believe in the exodus one day. Amen. And, and Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The purpose that you see him accomplishing it in his life's mission. He wanted to build a church. And then he clearly says in Luke 19.10, another one of his missional statements. It's important, friends. There's a mystery hidden here, and I want you to pick up on this. 
If we can identify with what moved our Savior, what our Savior connected with, I'm telling you it will advance uh, your life. Sometimes we like to say, God, bless my life, bless what I'm doing. Let me tell you, if you will get in line with where he has revealed, I'm going to bless and I'm going to do this, and you line your life, your family, your business up with what God clearly reveals he is doing and going to do, uh, that comes together for success, amen, and the favor of God. And one of the things he says, I'm going to build my church. Another passion that he clearly says is that he came in Luke 19.10 to seek and save the lost. He wants to fill his church with people who are lost and who need to know the Savior, and they're coming out of Egypt, and he's going to get them headed towards the promised land. His revealed will. So, friends, there's a mystery here. Get your life in alignment with the scriptures. Help Jesus build his church. Help lost people get saved. And I promise you the favor of God will abide upon your life. Amen. And your business. The purpose of Jesus, he kept, said, I've come to seek and save the lost. But he also said, then my house is going to be a house of prayer. You know, he makes some very clear statements that if we identify with and we understand mysteries that are unfolding in the word, it, that his house is a house of prayer for people of all nations, of all nationalities. Jesus came uh, to the rich. He came to the poor. He came to people of every ethnicity. That's why he makes this statement so clear concerning his church. He said, my church, my house, will be a, peop a, a house of prayer for people of all nationalities. I, I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is interested in the whole world. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's important that you have a mentality and a, and a personal philosophy in life that lines up with scripture. And we've got to love the nations. We've got to love the world. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection was all with very clear purpose. And when we connect with the purposes of God and we align our lives with the word and we align every part of our life with the word, I'm telling you the hand of God will rest upon you. Amen. Ephesians 5.27, Paul says, 5.32, 5, Ephesians 5.32, he says there is a mystery of Christ and his church. Understanding that we need to love his church Bless his church. Help him build his church. Help him reach the lost and see the lost come into the church in these last days. The pattern of the ark in the Old Testament and Noah is an illustration for the New Testament that Noah built an ark and he got his family into the ark before judgment came. I'm telling you that the New Testament ark is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to gather your family before the door is shut and judgment begins to befall the nations of the world. Amen. There's a biblical pattern and Paul says there's a mystery that a lot of people will never pick up on, but he says, I give you this mystery of Christ and his church. This whole sermon series has been uh, about the Holy Spirit enlightening us uh, to the fact that, friends, he loves his church. Amen. And he's building his church. And he's filling his church. And his church is not going to be assailed by hell and prevailed over by hell. Amen. He said the gates of hell will not prevail. He guarantees victory for his church. You want victory in your personal life? Don't ask him to align his work with your life. Get your life in alignment with what he said. There will always be victory in the church. Amen. The gates of hell will not prevail. So that if I am on task, if I am on purpose, that through my daily life and through uh, what I'm doing in life and where God has, has placed me in life, if I am on task to build his church, I promise you, he said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. There's a mystery, Paul says. But I love the church, point number one, because he gave himself for the church. Ephesians 5, 25. I love the church because Jesus laid down his life 
Verse Isaiah 53, and I want everyone to turn in the scriptures to Isaiah 53 because this is a powerful passage that shows the giving of Christ for his church. If Christ gave himself for the church, should we not give ourselves for the church? Oh, we got real quiet on Easter Sunday morning. If Christ shows us a biblical pattern and mystery that he gave himself for the church, I believe we need to emulate similar attitude. Amen? And it says he gave himself, but let's look at Isaiah 53 verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So it didn't matter who they were, he made his grave because he had not done any violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, his soul becomes an offering. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he hath put him to grief, whom thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is showing how Christ gave himself for his church. He loves the church, friends. He is declaring this in Matthew 6, I love the church. But Paul is, is telling us he gave himself. Isaiah is declaring that Christ gave himself. He became sin and sin offering for the transgressors. He's giving himself uh, for the church. Verse 5, he was wounded. Look at this. For our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone doing our own thing, our own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his sharers is dumb. And yet he opened not his mouth. Taken from prison and from just judgment. That literally means there was no justice in what happened to Jesus. Everyone that studied it from the legal aspects will tell you that legally he should not have been crucified. But justice fled him because he gave himself for the church. Amen? And so Jesus laid down his life. They stripped him uh, in, in, in Matthew's gospel. They spit in his face in Matthew 26 verse 67. Jesus giving himself for the church. Could you dare think of the man that spit in Jesus' face standing before God Almighty on Judgment Day? The gravity of that thought, as I was writing these notes Friday morning very early, came to me that how would you like to be the man that literally spat in the face of the Son of God here in Matthew 26 and one day stand before a holy and a living God? And you, you spat in the Son of God's face. They ridiculed him. They mocked him in Matthew 26, 68. In Matthew 27, verse 11, uh, uh, they, they, they began to crucify him. Verse 28, they stripped him. They planted a crown of thorns uh, on his head. They mocked him. Verse 31, they led him away to be crucified. They led him giving himself as they led him away.
down on what they do. We know exactly what we're doing, Messiah. We're killing you. I'm giving him a place to stand. Why? So he will die slower. Jesus gave himself for his church. He loves his church. And Paul says he gave himself for his church. Point number two, I love the church because Jesus died for the church. The Bible is clear that he died, that he was not just in an a unconscious state, but that the Roman guards, when they inspected the bodies, of the malefactors on either side. They broke their legs, which caused immediate suffocation because they could no longer lift themselves upon the cross to gasp for air. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already. These are trained executioners. And so they pierced his side with the spear, and blood and water mingled together came out, a further symbol uh, from a physiological standpoint of what had taken place uh, that he had already died. It was attested to by the Roman guards and by all of those uh, that he died and he was buried in a grave. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, a man of influence, a man of means. Nicodemus was in the story uh, in verse 38 who was also a man, uh, a ruler of the Jews, a man of influence, a man of means. They put him in the new sepulcher of Joseph of Arimathea in John 19, 41. The chief priest and the Pharisees declared to Pilate that they needed to secure uh, a stone in front of the tomb and put, uh, put a seal there and a guard unit so that the body would not be stolen. There was no evidence of any life in this physical body. He was dead. They would have made sure of that when they placed him in that tomb. But then finally... Uh, they issued the order and put a Roman guard garrison there or guard unit there and they sealed the tomb and the way they would do that they would take wax seals or clay seals and place on either side of the stone and stretch a cord across there and then they would put the Roman stamp or seal upon each one of those uh, areas to dry and that would be sealed and anyone that would break that seal did so with the threat of death upon them. No one dare break that seal. But they knew he was dead. And friends, I love the church because he died for the church. Amen. If you love something enough, you're going to give your life for it. And Jesus did. Amen. He gave himself. He died for the church. He suffered for the church. He died for the church. But I want to get to point three. Everybody turn to Matthew 28, 1. And not only did he, he suffer and he died, but friends, he rose for the church. And on Easter Sunday morning, he is the resurrected Savior. And we celebrate his resurrection. I love the church. Matthew 28, 1, in the end of the Sabbath, it began to dawn towards the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene, 
who had been delivered from devils. Amen? Set free and married the other Mary to see the sepulcher and behold a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. The Bible is full of symbolism and you have to catch this. The angel seated on that stone that was rolled away says I have authority over this situation and there is one greater than death that has come out this door. Amen. Uh, there is authority uh, being symbolized by that angel seated on that rolled stone uh, that the, the prison guards, those Roman trained soldiers uh, had no authority over that grave situation. I'm telling you the authority of God the Father when he said arise my son. Uh, that Jesus came out of that grave victorious and an angel sat there on a stone uh, positioned in a seated position just to remind us of authority. Authority is very important in the word of God. And it says that when Jesus ascended, he first descended, but then he ascended into heaven and now is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Amen. When Isaiah sees the courtroom of heaven, he doesn't see God in a frantic pace concerning mankind and the governments and the kingdoms of this world. He sees heaven and he says, I saw the king seated upon a throne. I'm telling you, the word of God describes that at his right hand seated is the son of God, the high priest of our salvation. Can somebody say amen? And they're seated. Because they rule and reign supremely. Amen. In verse 3, the angel, this is Matthew 28. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became like dead men. The resurrection is God's stamp of approval, friends, on all of the life and the ministry and everything that Jesus came to accomplish. All they needed to do to disprove Christianity for the centuries to come is produce a body. But they could not produce a body. Amen. I'm telling you the resurrection guarantees that as we're preaching three funerals yesterday and tomorrow it is the supreme guarantee that friends one day that grave's not going to hold us down. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we have no fear of death. Let me tell you, there's one who took the sting out of death. And he overcame the grave. In Matthew 28, verse 9, Jesus met with them. In Matthew 28, 15, uh, they tried to, they give some money out to try to uh, uh, create a lie and say that the body was stolen. In Mark's account, in Mark 16, as Jesus began to reveal himself to his disciples, uh, some of his disciples still doubted. Some had to see the wound marks. Some had to put their hands. Thomas had to put his hands, had to see uh, where his side, I, I, he, he had been there. He had seen where uh, the spear had pierced his side. He said, I've got to see to believe. I want to tell you, blessed are those that today by faith take the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that he loves the church so much that he gave himself. He suffered, he bled, he died, and he loved the church so much that he came out of the grave victorious over death and hell. He loves the church. He was raised from the dead, and I love the church because of a resurrected Savior. But friends, in conclusion, I love the church, and I want our worship team to come back. I love the church because he's coming back. He's coming back. Come on, up there, get, it, get us to the return of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe they're not. I'm going to get us there. Amen. Whether the PowerPoint does or not, we'll get you there. Amen. Because the Word of God gets us there. In 1 Corinthians 15, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible declares, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Amen. He's coming back, friends. He's coming back. He will descend from heaven with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul says in verse 18, comfort one another. Comfort one another with these words. Listen to me, friends, in closing. The coming of the Lord is at hand. I love the Lord's church, and I'm going to support the church and bless the church and align my life with the church and everything I do because I want God's hand upon my life. And if I bless his church, there's a mystery, and you got to catch this mystery. And he's been waiting to bless you. And he's been waiting to rest his hand upon you as you understand the mysteries that he reveals. But listen, there's a mystery about the coming of the Lord. And God says in his word to watch the signs of the times. Jesus said, when the moon turns to blood and when the sun is darkened, lift up your heads and look and know that my coming is at hand. My redemption draweth nigh. There's been a tetrad, which means four blood moons. And we're going to give an altar call and I want the worship team to come out. There's been four blood moons. Four blood moons is not highly unusual because it happens every so many, many years. It's very infrequent, but it does happen. But what happens with these blood moons, all four have been on feast. God says the feast are my appointed time to call my people together. There are appointments for the people. Passover is a feast. It was an appointment for the people to come together because God wanted to meet with them. There are seven feasts during the year, seven. And God established those feasts. And every one of them has spiritual importance. And he says, I'm going to bring my people together because there's something going to happen. Everything God has done in history relates to one of those feasts. Everything. The coming of the Lord will be associated with a feast. The rapture, the tribulation, the millennial reign will be associated with feast. Passover. You look at everything revealed in the Word of God, it's associated with the feast. This is Passover. This is the only time during the year where three of the seven come together in one, one segment of time. This is Passover. It is the feast of unleavened bread. That's why we're not eating leavened bread, those that are doing this, for eight days. We're getting the leaven out. Reminds us of the old slavery and the old bondage that we've been free from. Amen. But it's also the feast of first fruits. So three of the feasts, there were four spring feasts and three fall feasts. Every one of the feasts are fulfilled in Christ. Every one of them. All seven are fulfilled in Jesus. And in these feasts, now there's four blood moons that all four are falling on a feast date. This has only happened five times in 2,000 years. And every one of the five times were significant in world history. A.D. 70, when Titus overthrew Jerusalem, there were four blood moons on feast days. 1492, when Columbus discovered America, the Jews were driven out of Europe and America became a safe haven. Four blood moons on feast days. 1948, when Israel became a nation. Four blood moons on feast days. 1967, when they got all of Jerusalem and other parts of the land. Four blood moons on feast days. The fifth time in 2,000 years is right now. This is the third blood moon that happened yesterday. The fourth will be in September on Feast of Tabernacles. The three fall feasts have to do with the coming of the Lord. And I want you to watch this in closing. The blood moon yesterday was watched by people worldwide. Now, I'd already pre-told you that you had to, if you could see it, you would see a glimpse of it around 6, 6.30 yesterday morning. Well, it was real hazy and foggy and overcast. 
So I immediately went online and I went to NASA's site and other major observatories around the world and got the pictures. And it was incredible. It was an incredible blood moon. In fact, they said it's the most unique blood moon yesterday of all the moon, blood moons they've been tracking ever. And in its fullness, it was only five minutes long. And they kept saying, it's like there's a message here. Because usually the fullness, you know, how long to, the eclipse is, is, is much longer than that. But this was five minutes. And they said, this is very unique. And they kept saying that. This is very different. This is very unique about this blood moon. Maybe God was sending a message because it was so brief in its fullness. We may not be very far from the soon return of our Savior. There were some other things I don't have time to get into, but I want everyone to stand right now. But I'm telling you, the blood moons, this is the year of the Smita. Everybody in the finance, you need to listen with a hearing ear right now. Go back and look what happened in September seven years ago. The end of the Smita, exact day, we had the second largest crash in our economic history since the Great Depression. Go back 14 years from September. On the exact day at the end of the Smita, we had the largest crash since the Great Depression. September 13th, the cycle of seven ends again. It's the end of the Smita. September 13th, this fall. You know what determines blessing or judgment? It's whether or not people turn to God. When the nation turned to God during the Smita and sought God, God rested his blessing and gave mercy. When the people fought God, judgment came. I'm telling you, this is an important year. This is also, there is so much coming together, and I don't have time to get into this. This is also in September, Jubilee. It is the 70th, 7-0, the 70th Jubilee. Every Jubilee is 50 years. 70 since the children of Israel were released from Egypt for Passover by the mighty hand of God. Passover means Exodus. Jesus is coming soon. We do not know. Jesus said this. You don't know the exact hour, but he said you can know the times and seasons. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here on Easter Sunday out of obedience to the Word of God, whether you understood that or not. God said on Passover, go to church, go to the temple. He decreed that and I bless you I bless you for being here today but if you're here this morning and things are not right in your life spiritually if you're not saved if you're not born again if you're not ready to stand before the Lord I want you to raise your hand and say pastor remember me in prayer come on all across this room if you want prayer on this Easter Sunday morning I want you to hold your hand up God bless you God bless you God bless you up in the balcony God bless you what about it are there others you want prayer you know that you or not where you ought to be with the Lord. And you'll raise your hand right now. God bless everyone that has their hand up. What about every person that has a spiritual need? The Spirit and the Bride says, Come. Ye who have a hearing ear, ye who are not dull of sight, watch. Be watchful and alert, for the return of my Son is at hand. I come quickly. Yea, church, I come quickly, and my reward will be with me. I say unto thee, watch. Every person that has a spiritual need and you want to be remembered in prayer, I want you to hold your hand up all across this room. You have a spiritual need. There's a third category that's on my heart. People that are unsaved, prodigals, they have, they're not where they ought to be, they need to be saved. 
people that have spiritual needs, but also people that are fighting the attack of the devil in their life. And you need a breakthrough. You're fighting the devil. I want you to raise your hand for prayer on this Easter Sunday morning. The devil has been attacking you. On every person that's lifted your hand, I want you to make your way to this altar. Pick up your belongings and come right now. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I want you to come. Every person that needs salvation, every person that needs to be born again, every person, if you've been running from the Lord, if you're a prodigal, maybe you once lived for God. Maybe you got hurt in the church. You haven't been living where you ought to be living. I, I want to tell you the coming of the Lord is enough to get it right. Amen. Get it right before it's too late. Amen. Every person with a spiritual need, come on, come, come. Our prayer partners, please come very quickly. Come. Come on. Let's give all these that are coming a hand right now. Everyone, come on. I appreciate their honesty. I bless them for their honesty. Come on. Press in real close. God bless you. Amen. I'm telling you, there's still somebody you've been running from God. And God has sent a Pentecostal preacher on Easter Sunday to remind you the coming of the Lord is getting near. And there is a mystery. Not everybody understands mysteries. But there is a mystery that's unfolding itself. Christ loves the church. Gave himself for the church. You better bless the church. You better get behind the church. The church is about to get out of here. There's an exodus coming. And you better get ready before it's too late. Come on, I want you to stretch your hands towards these right here. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I believe in you. Come on, everybody repeat this. I believe in you. I know that you died for my sins. And I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. I invite you in to be Lord and Savior. And with your help, I will begin to live for you and make preparation for your soon return. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody give praise to the Lord right now. Come on. Come on, give praise to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. No. I want us to pray over our nation. God is sending a, a revival to America, an awakening. In closing, Jesus gave a parable concerning the last days and his church. That there would be five foolish virgins and five wise. Five that are watching, five that are ready. And five that did not have their lamps trimmed and burning. And I believe God wants to awaken the church and awaken sleeping Christians. Amen. And I want us to pray for America and pray for the churches of America. I want everybody to lift your hand. Closing prayer, and then we're going to let you go. Father, we pray over your church, your people across this nation. Lord, we want to see America come back to God. We want to see revival in this nation. We want to see this nation return to its biblical heritage, its biblical roots. Lord, we want to see salvation in every home and every family. And we apply the blood on this Easter Sunday morning. And we declare the authority of the blood upon our doorposts and our lentils, our homes, our children. Lord, you took the firstborn out of every family where there was no blood covering. You took the firstborn. I read that and reread that this week and thought, dear God, help us get the blood back in America. 
And Lord, we apply that blood, Lord, to our homes and families. We apply the blood of Jesus that is a covering for sin. Thank you that you're ever merciful and ever forgiving. And we declare revival in America by the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Happy Resurrection Day. Don't miss the production tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed in the presence of the Lord. Amen.